you're a boy in public. You do what boys do. What do you want to be? You know, do you think it's still a phase? Oh, I think puberty will sort him out. He only ever wears girls' clothes at home. What? Tell me, stop that. Max wants to go to school like this from now on, and he wants to change his name to Maxine. Welcome to. Yeah, let's find out more about the show! Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Uh, oh, I'm Brian Brushwood, and uh, joining us as always is producer extraordinaire Bryce Neshkam Castillo. Hi, everybody. Tell us a little bit about that uh, preview that we saw at the so beginning. So this was from a first look for Butterfly, which is airing uh, in the U.S. on Hulu. This is a three-part miniseries about an 11-year-old named Max who realizes that she's a trans girl, and uh, the sort of family dramas that come with wanting uh, uh, her transition uh, to happen it 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 was really really well received it aired in the uk on itv in uh, late 2018 and now it's on hulu right on and joining us uh is the the inimitable the wonderful the fabulous sarah lane from dtns thank you so much for joining us sarah hello everybody so good to be back it's been yeah. a while I'm ready to talk TV and movies. Uh, for the video listeners, uh, video listeners, uh, Tom, you're, you're looking a little uh, still. You want to explain what's going on? Explain yourself. Yes. I, I've I've engaged in a new tantric discipline of motionlessness <laughs> that uh, requires me not. No, I'm uh, actually on vacation uh, this week for my sister-in-law's birthday. And uh, sadly, while there is a lot of natural beauty where I am, there's not a bandwidth, especially upload. Uh, so I, so we're, we're uh, restricted to audio only. Uh, also, I'm not doing Daily Tech News Show this week, so Sarah is the only host of Daily Tech News Show currently. Oh, so does that mean she gets um, to soak in? You should tell us a little about that show. She gets to soak in all the glory of uh, when we get to the winter mu movie draft then. Yeah, I mean, uh, for anybody who's not all already part of the DTNS so. uh, army, nice. yeah, as not, it were, all, um, get on the against. bus. <laughs> DTNS um, is Daily Tech News Show. It's exactly what it sounds like, which is what I tell people anytime they're like, oh, what do you do? Daily Tech News Show. <laughs> it's exactly what it t sounds like. Where do I go? DailyTechNewsShow.com. Cool. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, let's jump in on the primary targets. <laughs> Netflix has joined the Motion Picture Association of America. That's right. The MPAA, you may not realize, is currently made up of Disney, Paramount, Sony, Universal, Warner Brothers, and Fox. Now, Fox is going to leave soon when Disney finishes its deal to acquire it because it'll be Disney and Fox. They'll be one company. According to Politico, Bringing companies like Netflix into the fold has been a goal for the MPAA CEO, Charles Rivkin, who took over the association in September 2017. So this is a this is a big moment for a historic organization. Meanwhile, speaking of Netflix and the established Hollywood uh, you know, organizations, Netflix's film Roma was nominated for 10 Oscar awards or major Oscar awards, including Best Picture and Best Director. It tied with the favorite for the most major nominations, Netflix is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, directed by Ethan and, Joe, Ethan and Joel Cohen, received three nominations. Netflix's Endgame got a nomination for Best Short Documentary. And streaming service Hulu got a nomination, an Oscar nomination, for Minding the Gap uh, in the Feature Documentary category. The award winners will be announced on February 24th. Man, this is such an interesting uh, development on the MPAA side of things because I tend to only think of them as the ratings board, which that alone is interesting because Netflix uh, doesn't really do ratings, right? They just uh, like I don't know, it's uh, oh, their content has has ratings. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. uh, right, but they're not official MPAA ratings, which is you know maybe Netflix cares, maybe it doesn't. I mean, as long as you're not NC seventeen, it's like I don't know how many you know folks are really care. You're watching Netflix on your couch most of the time, right? I actually, uh, I posed the question, we talked about this on DTNS, um, when the, the original report came out that Netflix might join the Motion Picture Association of America. And I was sort of like, okay, well, how much does Netflix care? I, I, I get that there's cachet in joining it. You have more access to, you know, theater distribution or 
you know, various accolades that are probably some industry specific stuff that even I don't understand. But at the same time, you know, you mentioned Roma. Well, I watched Roma on my couch when it came out on Netflix. Probably should have seen it in the theater because it's a really beautiful movie. But I feel like Netflix is changing the game in so many ways. I wonder how much and and maybe I'm maybe I'm looking 10 years into the future rather than a year. Um, how much these sort of old the old guard of what a rating system is and and what association is matters. I would have to imagine, and this is a rather oblique benefit, but I have to imagine that being a central member of the MPAA has to have a positive effect on your ability to win Academy Awards <laughs> and that and, and your the seriousness with which people take you as a major producer of movies. Uh, also, keep in mind, the MPAA uh, spearheads uh, lobbying stuff when it comes to anti-piracy yes. efforts and lit- litigation mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Anything around regulation of the movie industry. The reason you think of them as ratings is that's the one thing that is most visible. But what the MPA is protected uh, and, and able to function well for the studios involved in it, Netflix being part of that is going to change that conversation. Uh, Netflix historically has been pro net neutrality. Netflix historically has been, you know, rather middle of the road on copyright uh, rules, a little more permissive on that sort of thing. Although they do implement DRM, it's not like they're they're anti DRM or anything like that. But they're they're a little farther to the center than the rest of the studio. So it'll be interesting to see how much of an effect they have on that. Certainly, in regards to relations between movies and theaters, is probably going to be the biggest influence that Netflix wants to have by joining this organization. Yeah, weirdly, if there's anybody quaking in their boots right now, I got to imagine it's movie theater owners because they, of course, are strong proponents of maintaining very large windows between movie releases and uh, showing up in the living rooms. And uh, my guess is, by virtue of Netflix being there, MPAA's official stance on that probably says, well, I mean, do we have to wait however many days before movies show up in the living rooms? The studios right now uh, have a friendly relationship with the theaters, but they wouldn't mind changing that window and having Netflix come in on their side uh, to 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 work on that with them, with the theaters certainly is going to benefit Netflix. And probably the studios would, would like a little bit of that that weight uh, and and the ability to resolve this so that you don't have these weird situations where Netflix is, you know, constantly in, in battle uh, with awards uh, areas, you know, like the like the film festivals and such. So what about how do we feel about all these Best Picture nominations? Well, okay, so I've seen, I guess, everything that we just mentioned. Roma, I watched twice. I cried really hard twice. It's a wonderful movie. I I think it deserves all the awards. I, um, I but, but, but I want to hear more about this. But can I tell you, I got intimidated because I I, went, I clicked on Roma and right before I hit go, it said match for Brian sixty four percent, and I was offended. I was like, who do you think I am, Netflix? And I started it, and it got through like the first title card. I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, maybe not now. Now's not the right time. It, it is one of those movies. I always tell people it's like. It's the sort of movie that, I mean, it's it's an incredible movie. I would never say otherwise. But if my mom was like, hey, I want to watch something. Should I watch Roma? I might be like, mm, it's maybe a, not. It's a little bit like uh, the reason I still have never seen Schindler's List. It's like uh, on my schedule of to-dos, there's never a time. It's like, you know what I'm in the mood to do? Cry yeah, it's a, a lot. It's a real heavy movie. But, you know, so is The Favorite in its own way. Uh, I, I, I probably, you know, I, I'm a... If I had to choose between the two, I, I would be more of a Roma supporter than the favorite. But I also found it very entertaining, very strange. Uh, I, I watched it blind, didn't know anything about it. I thought it was supposed to be a comedy about the royal family. Oh, I don't wow. know who told me that or how I got that wrong, but I kind of went into it being like, oh, this is going to be funny. And afterwards, I was like, that was psychotic <laughs> and really good, but pretty, pretty crazy. It was a crazy movie. Tom, is uh, this is this the first Academy Award that that Netflix has been up for, or or certainly the most, right? Well, I think it's the first. Yeah, but to it's go- certainly the most. Yeah, Netflix. No, Netflix has been awards in the documentary category before. Got it. Okay, so uh, so so we got something for uh, in the fiction space, but also to go to go from essentially nothing for be- uh, in in major categories for for fiction. And then go to ten, and then also bonus round, just dunk on 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 the the Academy Awards with the Coen Brothers. Uh, that's that's pretty amazing. 
Yeah, and I yeah, mean, I, that's I, why it's like I MPAA, think Roma should okay. Win. I think Roma should win, and I think it'll be interesting to see if the, it, what the politics of acceptance of Netflix with all the controversy over their, their theater, because uh, a lot of directors are, are sort of upset with Netflix over not wanting to give windows. They did give a limited window to Roma, so that it ran more in theaters more than, than Netflix stuff usually does exclusively. Usually Netflix stuff has not run exclusively in theaters at all. Uh, so we'll see if that was enough to make people not be against it. Uh, because I think if this had come out from one of the major studios, it would be a shoe in. Well, and one of the things, you know, reminder that the Oscars are voted on by the Academy and the Academy is a bunch of people who work in the industry and a bunch of people who work in the industry in general want to see their faces on the big screen. They want people to gather together and, and at the altar of the silver screen and, and feel good about it. So, I, I think that um, some amount of this damn bursting effect had to be the fact that they at least gave a nod to windowing. It's like, fine, we'll release in movie theaters or whatever. But now I wonder, like they got the nominations, but I wonder if the Academy in general is going to want to pull back. Kind of kind of like we saw with Avatar. There was an initial fear of like, yes, it is a technological marvel, but I am an actor and I am afraid of, of being put out of business by computers. And so uh, Avatar got uh, snubbed in, in a way that I didn't think was quite fair at the time do you do you think that any of that sarah is going to factor in to how many awards it actually gets received like like is roma going to get snubbed because of of that well i think anybody who works in hollywood in any capacity that understands length and budget of a movie from a screenplay to a concept that gets greenlit to production to editing to actual release to the public is usually years, right? So think about, you know, at, at, at the Oscars, everyone's sitting there and clapping and, you know, hoping that the, the people who, like you mentioned, people who are part of academies are invested in their own projects, you know, and everybody's kind of in the same industry. So something winning that can be advantageous for some somebody who's working on something that the rest of us aren't going to see for a couple of years, but is very much in the works. That all has to be factored in. And that's, you know, that's a movie making machine. It's been done this way for years. And yeah, sure. The Netflix folks are um, shaking things up a little bit, but I think that we're still, we're still working under the, um, some, some pretty old guard realities. Yeah. Uh, what we need is uh, something to shake things up, like a new way to finance movies, something like a little thing called Patreon.com slash Cord Killers. Go ahead. Steal our idea. It was our idea first, Hollywood. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> hey, Tom, do you know what is special about the number yeah. 42? Uh, so many things. Uh, I, I I can't begin to enumerate them. There's, there's that many re things that are special about that number. Specifically, it is the number of dollars short we are of our of our uh, ongoing goal uh, number. So, oh my goodness, we are so, so close. Thank you to all of you, beautiful, beautiful new bosses who gave us infinite raises. Last week, I asked you guys to let us know if you're going to give us an infinite raise going from $0 to uh, even just $1 per episode. Makes all the difference in the world. We got some emails. Uh, our new boss, Michael, says, thank you for the great podcast. Finally decided to give you an infinite raise. Also, we bought the Night Attack album, which was super nice. Uh, also, Nice. David uh, says he gave us an infinite raise. Uh, dude, uh, thank you to all of you guys. Uh, you are making magic happen over at patreon.com slash cord killers, keeping us loud, live and independent. Man, I'm infinitely happier about this. Yeah, which, which <laughs> it makes me feel like, uh, you know, 42, the, the answer to life, the universe and everything uh, is also the answer to infinity. Yeah. Uh, uh, 42 equals infinity. Don't ask a mathematician. They'll get it wrong. <laughs> Let's talk about how to watch. Okay, so a couple of things that, that Sarah and I also talked about Daily Tech News Show. Hulu announced it will lower the price of its ad-supported subscription plan from $7.99 a month to $5.99 a month starting February 26th. This comes after Netflix announced a price increase for all its. The ad-free subscription will remain the same, not getting a, a raise or a decrease, $11.99 a month for that. The Hulu Live TV service actually is getting a price rise, though, from uh, $39.99 to $44.99. Now, if this makes you think, gosh, 
I really wish I had an easier way to compare all these stupid packages and how much they cost. Suppose.tv, which we've mentioned before on the show, has a tool for selecting what channels you want and matching you with the appropriate TV providers. And it's adding a new feature called TV service alerts. You set your channel selections and your feature preferences, and as streaming services change their channel lineups or their prices, the service will send you email alerts uh, so you can keep on top of it. So, so how I, this seems like this would be extraordinarily valuable. Uh, like to me, there's windows of making those decisions, but then those once I make a decision, I kind of like the last thing I want to get is an email saying like, "Oh, you want to open up that window of decision again?" So I, I'm curious uh, how valuable this 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 feels to you, Sarah. Well, I feel like the I liken this to something like I want to fly to New York, but I only want to pay this much. And prices change all the time, and I just don't have time to be on kayak every day. So email me when something becomes, you know, in my window. So something, if Suppose TV can give me an email alert where I say, hey, I don't want to pay for Hulu at this price, but if it, for whatever reason it drops to this price, or if I get the show that I'm really hoping that they'd pick up as part of the package, then I, you know, then it becomes more attractive to me. I can deal with an email alert, but I'm with you, Brian. I'd I'd prefer it be an app. But I, and you know that's just me being you know a wannabe millennial, I guess. But yeah, email alerts are for the most part, unless it's like a cool newsletter from somebody that I like and trust. I almost never want them, but I do think that this is it, it for somebody who wants to be kind of obsessive about how prices change and how how back catalogs change, which they do on a daily basis. It, 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 it's, it's a worthwhile service, you know, and, and at, I just realized that I'm presupposing that, um, uh, that I'm happy with whatever choice I've made, but there are a lot of people who are not happy with any of the choices and they're settling for one or two or three things. And they do want to know like, Hey man, the moment all of these are on Hulu, I want to drop the other two or same thing with sure. PlayStation view. Uh, uh, Tom, are, are you in on email alerts? Well, I, I mean, this is going to be different. For, for different people, there's not a single right answer to this, right? If you if you say, hey, the last thing I want after I make my decision is is an email alert about other decisions, then you shouldn't use this. This is not for you. <laughs> this is for the person who, like you said, either was compromising, like, well, it's nothing perfect. Let me know when my perfect solution arrives. Or the person who wants to take advantage of the fact that you can easily control your subscriptions in a way you couldn't with cable before and says, this is great. I'm fine with Hulu Live TV, but if Sling TV matches this package at a lower price, tell me because I want to keep shopping around and switching to the cheapest package. Uh, there, there's there's people who love that kind of action, you know, that, that kind of uh, shopping around for savings, and it makes it easier. Yeah. Uh, so uh, also this uh, Hulu dropping the price of its ad supported subscriptions. Uh, smart, 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 smart. I think it's a, a, a good play. And even if it was just a zero sum game and it's like, hey, the only way we could drop this one thing is by raising the price on the other thing. Uh, I think it's worth it. I think I think it, it, it expands the gravity well of people falling into the Hulu ecosystem. Yeah, my first reaction um, to the price drop was, ooh, are they dropping that because not enough people are using it? So they want to, you know, bring them into the uh, higher tier subscription models? No. They just want more people to depend on Hulu. Hulu has enough really good original content plus a pretty decent back catalog. Now, at this point, you get them in it's the Spotify model, right? And then you upsell them. Yeah, I think the Hulu marketing department feels really, really good about this because not only were they able to hide their price increase for Hulu Live behind every headline saying Hulu drops its prices, uh, they also had it happen like a few days after Netflix raised its prices. So a bunch of outlets not only helped the Hulu marketing department by putting the price drop in the headline, but said, as Netflix raises its prices... Hulu lowers its. Uh, and the fact is, like, this is Hulu's ad-supported subscription. It's not comparable. It's even raising the price on another package. Uh, but it's a big win for Hulu PR. Yeah. Uh, I, you know what? And now that you mention it, I guess that does explain why I got that marketing email that said Hulu, more like Hulu. Am I right? We're the coolest. <laughs> They did not. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I would love to believe. You. Yeah, and how do you spell that? <laughs> uh, uh, shall we? Shall we move on to uh, right, what, what to watch? Time to talk about what to watch. Yes. <laughs> Took the words right out of my mouth. Microsoft fans. 
the other reason I put this in here is you probably don't realize that the world's most watched television show is the Spring Festival Gala, which aired on China's CCTV network January 27th. Last year, it drew a billion viewers. This year, Never it heard drew of it. more than a billion. Wow. Well, now you have. That's my point. This mm -hmm. is the world's most popular television show, and now you've heard of it. Uh, this is why you should work outside your bubble, and I'm trying to help us all work outside our own bubbles. Uh, this year's news is that Huawei tested China's mobile 5G network by streaming the show in 4K over 5G. But but just uh, really interesting to think, like, yeah, uh, this is the world's most watched television show, no, and I'm, you probably didn't watch it. Well, and, and uh, I, I remember um, a couple times I did a, a Magic TV special in Indonesia, and right before, like literally, we were about to go on stage, and, and I'm like, oh, yeah, how many people are watching this? And they're like, about 100. And I'm like, 100, uh, uh, and then, you know, dot, 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 and they're like, million. And it's, and it's like, wait, what? And it's like, yeah, Indonesia's 300 million people, so about a third of them are watching. They, nobody uses cable or satellite. Uh, everybody uses broadcast. Uh, it's, you know, uh, that's the way it is. And, it, like, like that, that was mind-blowing because in my mind, I was, I was still – accustomed to seeing headlines about like biggest Super Bowl ever with like 75 million or 80 million or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, HBO's folklore is a new series that will have six standalone episodes with a different director and cast in each one and set in a different country. Indonesia, Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, and Korea folklore premieres on HBO February 1st this year. Uh, dude, right on. I, 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 I'm digging anthologies. Uh, uh, speaking of which, uh, are, are, are you digging the new True, True Detective, Tom? Oh, I am. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just yes. started it. Yes, I am. I haven't watched this week's episode because I'm on vacation, but yeah, it's great. I mean, the season one of True Detective, wonderful. Well, I mean, I don't know. Depends on who you are, but you know, I, I, I was riveted as were many. Season two, well, you know, we can always win. Season three. <laughs> Really good again, and I just started, so I'm a little behind. But you know, I'm I'm two eps in, and I'm I'm into it. The next episode of Blumhouse's Into the Dark anthology series on Hulu arrives February first. The episode called Down stars Natalie Martinez, who you might know from Death Race and Matt Loria, as two office workers who get trapped on an elevator just as they're leaving for the holiday weekend. I, I would love to assume the uh, classic sitcom trope of they have a diff they have to work out their differences before they get out. Did you see the trailer? Uh, oh, is that quite literally what it is? Well, this is their <laughs> like um, holiday series because like all these Into the Darks are about a holiday. So this one is Valentine's Day and President's Day. And there's definitely a part in the trailer that makes it seem like they have some romantic thing as they're stuck in this elevator for who knows how many days. But there's also like conspiracy stuff going on, too. It's it's a weird one. I, I would love uh, also to believe that they're uh, the thing that they're disputing is which is the best president <laughs> and, uh, and that this is a President's Day special. <laughs> Rutherford B. Hayes forever. <laughs> Uh, the Expanse season three had been lagging behind appearing on Prime Video because of a bunch of rights issues, but it's on Amazon as of February 8th. Uh, season four will be the new one that's coming to Amazon Prime Video. We still don't have a release date for that. Uh, I, I'm only, I, I don't really have any beef, but but theoretically, uh, if if I was more money conscious, I'd be a, a little bit bummed that I bought uh, that I bought it and then now it's free uh, on the same service. But then I guess. The difference is, is when I, if I were to leave Prime, I would still have it, whereas I, I would be giving it up, right? Yeah, and also, uh, if you were super money conscious, you would have known it was going to show up somewhere. You just maybe would have waited. Uh, well, keep in mind, I did, I did buy it when. Uh, oh, well, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Sony added uh, Cheddar Business to its base PlayStation View tier and Cheddar News to its Elite package, which also is part of the Ultra package. Cheddar is a digital-only channel that you cannot find on traditional cable, but it's available on all these streaming services, Hulu Live, YouTube TV, and Sling TV, and, of course, now PlayStation View. I, I know we talked about this before. Uh, was Cheddar a rebrand of Crackle? Am I, am I misremembering that? No. Mm-mm. Okay, no, just totally different. different. And okay. and business. you know it's funny because oh, it's right. it's sort of MSNBC for millennials. We're you know, with a little TRL mixed into it. They've got kind of the we're in New York City and everybody's young and you know you sort of see the folks walking around um, behind us type thing. And I I would be per perhaps a little quicker to dismiss it. Like yeah yeah what you know it's young people talking about business, but they break a lot of stories. 
And we talk about a lot of those stories on Daily Tech News Show. And to the point where it's like, Cheddar is 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 a network to watch. I mean, I feel like I already I already pooped the bed by by mixing up Cheddar and Crackle, so so I I, I was out. <laughs> well, Cheddar is what you would spread on a cracker, so I can see why you would yep. put those together. There. Yep, there, there's uh, mild, there's sharp, all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Netflix announced the development of a feature-length film based on the fantasy comic Reborn from Mark Miller and Greg Capullo. The comic is about a woman who learns people go to a world of monsters and dragons when they die, but for some reason, her husband did not. Chris McKay of Lego Batman will direct, and Sandra Bullock is producing. Uh, man, uh, again, more diversity, more uh, more outrageous ideas, because uh, I wonder what that sounded like in the uh, pitch meeting. But uh, but but Netflix, uh, uh, you know, picking up all the the weirdest pieces of the puzzle. And Miller World, this is this is the continuing uh, content feed from Miller World starting to crank up. Well, I was not familiar with this project uh, ahead of time, but I love that Sandy Bullock. <laughs> yeah, she probably has very little to do with this uh, since she's producing. <laughs> she, she may just get some money in it. Uh, but hey, if she likes it, right? Can't be bad. Yeah, or, you know, it's a little name cachet. Uh, and Sundance is going on right now. Uh, so we're starting to get all the reports about who's buying what films. Amazon has bought the rights for Mindy Kaling's Late Night, uh, political thriller starring Adam Driver called The Report. Also got bought up by Amazon, and Netflix has bought the rights to Ron Howard's adaptation of the J.D. Vance memoir, Hillbilly Elegy. Do we feel like Amazon is falling behind? Is there a is there a, a, an Academy Awards gap that we need to be focusing on and making hay out of? No, Amazon uh, kind of skipped the cycle this year. They they were the the darling of the Oscars last year. Uh, and everyone thought Netflix had fallen behind. So, you know, if you want to get caught up in the cycles, then sure, Amazon's on their off foot. But my, my guess is we're going to see Amazon, you know, back in the race and probably Netflix also still in the race. Uh, we're just going to continue to see them putting out more and more comp competitive content. Tell you what, let's get on to Eyes On. Uh, Sarah, tell us what you've been watching. All right. So I, 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 this has probably been mentioned on the show before, but over the weekend, I did my whole sort of like, no one call me for 48 hours. I have a lot of television and movies to catch up on. And so in that sort of strange Thai food, semi-conscious state that I was in, I watched both of the Fire Festival documentaries. So that's the Netflix one and that's the Hulu one. And I watched them, the Netflix one first and Hulu second, not by any chance, just that's the way it went. And I was riveted by the story, um, and for anybody who's like, what's this about? It's about a, a New York-based company that had another product and decided to throw a festival in the Bahamas, and it was uh, an S show from the very beginning, and it got progressively worse, and there was some fraud involved and, and scamming and, and, and quite a story. So what's remarkable to me is that the people who – uh, sort of funded and fueled the Netflix documentary is it is in part a company that is happy to see the fire people go down because they were sort of duped. The Hulu version of the documentary, and by the way, the end result of both is that it was a music festival that was never going to happen. It was poorly planned. They never had the money. Uh, people were super disappointed as festival goers that's the takeaway from both documentaries. But the Hulu documentary actually has kind of the, the mastermind behind the whole thing who's going to jail uh, on record, you know, uh, you know, in a, in a dark room, well lit, um, giving, uh, I don't know, sound bites about why he isn't actually a con man and a scam artist and everything. And it is so fascinating. I don't know if you guys have watched this stuff back to back, but if anybody kind of cares about the the idea of smoke and mirrors and this whole sort of like millennials love the Instagram life. And so we're going to create this thing that's total vaporware and doesn't really exist. It is one of the most eye opening views into this whole thing that I have seen in some time. I might watch both again. 
Yeah, uh, I was really surprised because you would think that like one would be the bad one and the other would be the good one. Uh, but but they were they were fairly comparable. I think I think as far as the production and story, I like the Hulu one more. But full disclosure, I saw the Hulu one first, which I think also colors things because uh, you know you, you you sort of dig whichever you know, first version. Yeah, everyone knows their their first Doctor. Um, yeah. uh, and. Uh, a little bit disturbing is uh, the news after the fact that is like, oh, BT Dubs, we paid a quarter million dollars uh, to this mastermind who's going to jail for his appearance. And that also, I wish they had, I don't know, woven that into their documentary. Like maybe say like, hey, in order to get this jerk on our show, we had to give him a quarter million dollars. Now listen to him. Uh, because there's no way, this is a story about um, art, and the artists being compromised as they tell on social media the story of the festival. People are paid to shape the narrative into something that was untrue. And then and then it all came to a head when everything collapsed. Uh, now you have, to some degree, uh, that happening right in front of you with the shaping of the narrative post fact on uh, with this with the with the Hulu folks on here. So, uh, but having said that, I think I think it's a very very worthy uh, few hours to to spend watching both of these. I thought they were both really really good. Yeah, and I thought that what struck me as a, a really important takeaway is you could sit there and be like, I don't care about the fire festival and models going to the Bahamas. Like, why would I care about any of this stuff? Like, screw all these people. Well, that, okay, fine. However, it has started to, this was a, a, at least a partial catalyst in the shaping of, okay, if you're promoting uh, an event, uh, a product, uh or were a person or anything on something like Instagram and you've got a lot of clout and you don't disclose that this is something that you're being paid for, that's a problem. That's a problem for a, a company like Instagram. That's a problem for the influ influencer themselves. And that's a problem for anybody who's, who's directing them to do so. So in a weird way, th this whole shakeout is actually going in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think uh, it, it certainly spells out a bit of accountability for that. And, you know, there was a time that I, I think there was a temptation to roll your eyes at having to disclose getting paid for a single tweet or whatever. But but uh, man, this rolls back my my opinion on that. Like, yeah, you should disclose if you're getting paid for for a particular tweet. Did, did the Netflix one uh, disclose that they were produced by Jerry Media? In, I think that was the Hulu doc disclosed that Jerry Media was producing the Netflix documentary. That's what it was, right? Yeah, but it's, so it's a little bit of so yes, it came yeah. out, but no, it was a little bit uh, that was shrouded, and yeah. we're not totally sure what's going on here. Yeah, on the Netflix side of things, you know, real quick, and I know we don't have too much time to talk about this, but um, I also watched a very different documentary over the weekend called The Sentence. This is something that came out uh, in September of last year, I believe. So it's a few months old. I had not seen it before. And this is a you know, true story about a family that was affected by um, one of um, their uh, 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 the siblings going to jail for something called yeah, like a, a minimum sentence mm. um, that had to do a with a drug related Mandatory offense. minimum, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And... It is one of these documentaries where her brother just happened to be a videographer and really, really interested in telling stories and really good at it. So over the course of 10 years, he kind of documented a lot of this stuff before it happened and after it happened and what happened in between. I cried more crocodile tears than I've ever cried, even after Roma. Not even kidding. If you can get through this documentary without crying, you are... I don't know, a reptile <laughs> yeah, yeah, of some yeah. kind. <laughs> uh, man. Uh, and, 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 and I think that it was really good and, and very poignant. And I learned a lot about the criminal justice system. So. Yeah, that's 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 my recommendation, man. Those are two really good recommendations. You know what I watched this weekend? Glass. <laughs> Although I will say that I think uh, I think much like my experience with Solo, I think a bunch of people saying the things they didn't like about it going into it definitely shaped my experience for the positive. You know, I went in expecting a hot dumpster fire and it wasn't, you know, critics, uh, what, 36% Rotten Tomatoes, audiences around 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm on the audience's side on this one. I think uh, the first two thirds of it are, are good and, and when 
uh, Shyamalan shines. I think he 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 shines well. Uh, and what's interesting is I think also I got uh, the benefit of different expectations based on the fact that this is a Blumhouse film. If you've never heard it, there is a fantastic Planet Money episode talking about the genius of the Blumhouse studio where creators are given unchecked freedom creatively. However, they're held to a very strict budget or they have to fund stuff out of their own pocket. And so as a result, there's there's so many of these Blumhouse tricks. Like if there's ever a plane crash in a Blumhouse movie, it definitely happened off screen. And somebody comes bursting in saying, oh, did you just see that plane crash? That was crazy. Uh, and likewise, you know, there, there are these elaborate set pieces where it's like, hey, man, if you trigger this, something really impressive looking is going to happen. Guy triggers it uh, immediately cut to exterior shot with sound effects of probably inside some kind of amazing thing happening. And likewise, you know, a character says, I've got a plan. I'm going to go to this giant set piece and do something spectacular. And I'm thinking, no, you're not. This is a Blumhouse movie. <laughs> you know, like they're going to figure out a way that you don't quite make it. And with that game, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed, uh, yeah, you know, there are things that I wish were done a little bit better. But uh, but if you, you know, think of, of you know, ex take it exactly for what it is, not for what you wish it was. And I, I think it's better than a lot of people think. Last week, I was going to mention Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and so I'll mention it this week, even though I haven't actually watched Thursday's episode yet. I'm, I'm behind on everything. Uh, but I thought it was a really strong return, not just for Star Trek Discovery, uh, but for Star Trek. Like it is a much more Star Trek-like start to season two. Uh, but I want to put in a follow-up word for the series W about the two universes, one that exists within a comic book and the characters that move between those universes and try to save each other and fall in love. And, uh, it's it's I finished it this weekend and it's a really, really good story. It's only, I think, you know, 17, 18 episodes, maybe 20 episodes long. So it's not a, a long commitment. Uh, I think the problem for many people is that it's only available on Viki, so you have to download a new app, but you can watch it for free. You don't have to sign up for their subscription. You can, you can just watch it, uh, and the Apple TV app doesn't even really show you ads or anything. Uh, so I'll, I'll put another another comment in for the, the show W, which I think is ripe for Hollywood to come in and say, well, what could we do if we didn't Blumhouse it, if we, if we gave a little more money to it uh, and made it in the U.S.? I'm curious if that would happen. Yeah, we, we uh, got some emails thanking you for that recommendation last week as well, Tom. Oh, good. I'm glad people are liking it. Bryce, tell us what we should be on the lookout for. Hey, we got a recommendation from Carrie about a show worth watching. Carrie writes, YouTube Premium told me that I should watch their new show, Wayne, and my oh my am I glad they did. It's a violent, dark comedy that I have fallen for hard. Not since Dirk Gently have I loved a new show so dearly. A boy meets, boy meets girl. Girl suggests, hey, you want to go chop some snakes in half with a spade? Uh, uh, Wayne, the, the main character, has a strong sense of what is right and what is wrong uh, and will enforce justice to the best of his ability. It's a shame he lives in an s-hole where everybody is scum and his delivery of justice usually ends up uh, in getting the snot beaten out of him, followed by sweet, sweet revenge. And it's so, so very funny. You might like it, too. Cheers from Carrie in Auckland, New Zealand. Thanks, Carrie. You know, I watched the first episode of this today and... Uh, Wayne is definitely a strange kid. I mean, he, he's got his own like brand of justice, which, uh, you know, in the first episode fits, you know, uh, shoulder to shoulder with like the very hyper aggressive uh, Brockton, Massachusetts. They, they kind of don't want to call it like Boston, but everyone has a Boston accent. Ha! Uh, there's also like this fun, cute, awkward romance between Dwayne and. Uh, uh, this this other high school girl, Dell, where you know she's kind of standoffish. He's kind of weird and and aggressive, but together they are like sensitive around each other. Um, the the conceit of the show is that he is is making a road trip down to Florida to get his dad's uh, classic Trans Am, and uh, she goes along with him. So I think that romance stuff will develop as that journey goes around. I think if you if you like the Netflix original, I think I talked about this uh, sometime last year, End of the Effing World. Uh, this is a very similar premise in that it's like a road, kind of a road trip story with a guy and a girl and the guy's kind of weird and the girl's kind of weird, but the guy's like way weirder than the girl. Uh, you, you might like this. Uh, there are 10 30-minute episodes streaming now on YouTube Premium. The first episode is streaming for free even if you don't have YouTube Premium. Right on. Shall we move on to the front lines, good sir? 
Uh, well, oh, first of all, though, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, we should be on the lookout for email us cordkillers at gmail.com. And uh, as I mentioned before, Sarah and I do a show called Daily Tech News Show. If you want to keep up on tech news, author Brian McClellan direct messaged me this week saying, Hey, I started listening to your show and I'm really glad that it's accessible to everyday users like me. So if you're thinking, I don't know, I'm not very much into that high technology talk, that's not what we're about. We want to have you understand understand technology so please join sarah and i at dailytechnewsshow.com now let's move on to the front lines front lines roku launched the ability to buy subscriptions to video services today in the united states letting you use your roku account to sign up for things like epic showtime stars etc without needing to install the channel's app all the content will be available through the roku channel app if you sign up this way, you won't be able to access the content outside of that Roku channel app. Uh, HBO, however, is not. Uh, this is the same story we, we when it first broke that uh, we were comparing it to what they do on Amazon, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, do you think you're going to use this, Sarah? I am an Apple TV user pretty pretty much across the board. I, I have a Roku Um and I, I get in there from time to time, mostly for research purposes, more than content purposes. If I was if I was accessing one of these channels, um, of which a couple of them I subscribe to, it might be a little annoying that I could only access them via Roku. But otherwise, hmm, um, I mean, it's it's good for Roku to be able to emulate what um, is is a money making venture for other uh, platforms. Yeah, uh, although it does really matter that it's all tied inside the the, the Roku ecosystem. Uh, meanwhile, Viacom is buying the ad-supported Pluto TV and plans to put shows from MTV, Nickelodeon, and Comedy Central, as well as movies from Paramount on it. Pluto says it has 12 million viewers, 7.5 million of whom watch on a television. Uh, uh, Tom, do, we, do you envision any future where Pluto TV might just suddenly one day say, oh, would you like an ad-free version for money? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Viacom, we've been waiting for them to come up with their strategy, right? Because they pulled themselves off of a bunch of the streaming services like PlayStation View. So I've been waiting for that other shoe to drop. And this seems like it's it. They're going to buy Pluto TV and turn that into the Viacom service uh, because they have a nice little platform and talent there. You know, before we move on, uh, we talked about um, the story last week when it broke. And our guest at the time was like, Pluto TV, never heard of it. Well, I worked for Pluto TV uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. before I joined DTNS full time. I, I was actually a contractor with them for about six months. So I'm pretty familiar with the model. And the whole model is to emulate cable television, but all in an app format and ad supported so that the whole thing is supported. If Pluto can be, you know, while owned by Viacom or, or otherwise, be able to offer a more premium package again that you know, could rival something like YouTube TV, which is right now the going rate for you want something that looks like cable that is a lot cheaper than cable. That would be the one that I would point something somebody to. Well, now it gets a little bit more interesting. Yeah. And by the way, YouTube TV has added 95 markets in the U.S. Uh, now says it's available to 98 percent of the United States. It hopes to reach the other two percent shortly. Uh, More than 90 percent of its markets have local affiliates from the top four broadcasters, which has been one of their big advantages is having more of those local television stations available, depending on which market you're in. So, you know, in general, I've really enjoyed my PlayStation View experience. But as I, you know, I'm not always on cable television. I'm seeing the kids not always on it. There is some appeal to just having everything under the the YouTube banner because I'm already on YouTube premium. Uh, Is is it time for me to consider jumping ship? Should I give up my my PlayStation View experience? Uh, You're going to laugh at me. I'd probably go to Suppose.tv and and compare the packages (laughs) and say like, hey, is this is this actually, you know, got more channels for a cheaper price. Yeah. Uh, interesting. I, I guess I guess I hate. Uh, I, I, anyway, Sensor uh, Tower estimates that the top 10 video subscription services brought in one point two seven billion dollars in the United States in 2018 in the Apple and Google app stores. That's up 62 percent from 2017. Netflix led the way, followed by YouTube, HBO Now, Hulu, YouTube TV, Stars, MLB, CBS, Showtime and Crunchyroll. Uh, man, that's 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 a lot of cash. Um 
I, how do I, I mean, I guess just we're, are we seeing exponential growth? Is, is that going to slow down any, anytime soon, Sarah? Uh, well, uh, none of these really surprised me. Besides Crunchyroll, always getting in there somehow. I don't know. Dude, I don't watch do a lot not of underestimate the power content, of the Crunchyroll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, again, this is pointing to the overall trend we've been talking about in this entire episode is that the, you know, the, 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 the tide is changing as far as what platforms, what companies, what deals uh, bring in viewers money um, and are sort of changing the landscape. Um, and, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't watch, honestly, outside of my Apple TV, I don't watch a ton of uh, video content on a mobile device. I can, I have the ability to, I don't do it all that often unless I know I'm going to be on a plane and, you know, I download stuff off, off, offline um, in, in anticipation of that. But but yeah, I, I, I think Netflix being in the top spot, we got YouTube, we got HBO now, which just just shows you how, how strong the HBO brand is, right? Because that's just HBO. It's like, you don't get anything else. You only get HBO stuff, but it's the best stuff. And followed by Hulu, YouTube TV is, is, is a significant hit. Um, stars, I don't know what's going on there. MLB, people love sports. CBS, Showtime, and yeah, and then you got Crunchyroll in there. Just hey, bring stop up laughing at Crunchyroll. You're gonna get a bunch of anime fans like Bryce upset at you. <laughs> yeah. Hey, now I'm upset. No, listen, we're all on the show to learn a little something. So if it's an anime network, okay, I get it. I'm not watching that stuff. Got it. Uh, it stars is probably because of Outlander mostly uh you know there's counterpart and a bunch of other hits on there as well but the Outlander fans are, are pretty crazy yeah and I'm I'm half uh, kidding I I loved the girlfriend experience which was also a star oh right yeah that's another good one on there um mm-hmm. I I you, you do remember you're not going to see Netflix on this list next year because they they don't allow in-app subscriptions on Google Play or Apple TV anymore so they they won't be part of this estimate TiVo VP of Consumer Products Ted Malone said the new apps for Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV will stream video from your TiVo at 720p and 30 frames per second. Not high enough for video files, one would presume. However, Malone said he would prefer 60 frames per second, but it's a battle for resources. TiVo's ad skipping feature also will not work on these apps. Uh, If you want the higher frame rates and the ad skipping, you gotta get the TiVo Mini Vox hardware still, uh, which you can get right now for 180 bucks. That will have the higher resolutions and all the features. Oh man, uh, I, I just know that I'm never. I, 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 let me hear. Let's put a call out to people at uh, cordkillers at gmail dot com. All, all the TiVo folks, because I I've not used a TiVo in years, and uh, I don't know how to feel about it. Uh, Hilton and Netflix announced a partnership to give guests the chance to log in and control Netflix and other streaming services on their room TV from the Hilton mobile app. The apps will work in special connected rooms, which also let guests control lighting, temperature, and personalized TV channels. Uh, that uh, uh, it's fine that they have a partnership. Uh, I guess I don't know. Do, do you do you take advantage of of all that smart room uh, integrated stuff when you get to a hotel, Sarah? No, and uh, please, please flame me if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure that no one's like, I love my Hilton mobile app. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> I installed a, it once what a because it's said... integrated app for me. Uh, but but. But I, but I get it. it you know, hotels are among, uh, you know, it's it's, it's a it's a huge trend in how do we build smart hotel rooms for our customers, particularly the people who are our loyalty rewards customers who will be back over and over again, so that their their experience is most like being at home as possible. I mean, th- this is also, you know, I know people who are. Uh, you know, smuggling in like weird HDMI kind of, you know, like there are all sorts of ways that people really want to be able to access their content, but they have to travel a lot. And so there's been these sort of stopgap solutions that I understand that hotels are trying to solve. So in that vein, sure, great. If I'm at the next Hilton hotel and they can make me uh, get into my Netflix account with all of my settings and all of my, you know, what to watch next. I'm not going to say no. 
Yeah, no, the, that's the big advantage here, right? Is uh, if I launch my Hilton app and say, I'm in this room, send my Netflix credentials to that TV, and I don't have to put in my password, I don't have to log in, I don't have to worry about logging out, then this is totally worth it. Uh, that That's the one thing that, that I think is attractive about this idea because, yeah, you're right. Like I've got an HDMI cable plugged into the TV right over here in this hotel room uh, mm -hmm. that we hooked up uh, Eileen's uh, iPhone to to watch W last night on the TV. I looked at the Samsung. They didn't. They do have the Netflix app, but even that, I was like, uh, but I'd have to log in on this TV and then I have to remember to log out. So I, I get the appeal of this. All right, let's move on to the dispatches from the front. <laughs> Got a couple of emails, one from Tim, who sent us a link saying, hello, some news about ESPN Plus subscription numbers. They signed up over one half million new accounts thanks to one UFC event. I think this might be their short-term strategy at ESPN Plus to use big events to get lots of subscribers in a short period of time. I wouldn't be surprised to see an NFL game exclusively on the streaming service in a few years. Uh, uh, Tom, you think that's likely? Yeah, if the NFL will let them do it, uh, they've been the NFL's been doing a lot with Thursday Night Football. You've seen it on Twitter, you've seen it on Prime Video, uh, seeing it on ESPN Plus isn't that far down the road. And I think Tim's right. Like using these big events to push people to subscribe is a great way to just get people in the door, even if they cancel after seven days. A lot of them won't, and they boost those numbers up and up and up. And Joe in Wilmington writes, he doesn't like the idea of real Deadpools, not the comics, but the actual death pool, the idea of placing bets on who will die in real life. But okay. he heard about this one where you have a Deadpool for Game of Thrones. He was thinking it'd be a good patron only content for us to complete the forum and talk about it only in the after talk. Uh, something to maybe to get more people to sign up and become a boss. There's the there's the spoiler problem. So maybe it goes to a spoiler podcast. But he sent us a, a link to it. And it's like there's a lot of characters still standing in that show. And he's right. There's no way all of them survive to the uh, to the end of the final season. Uh, but uh, I think that's a that's a great idea, and uh, and maybe we'd have to figure out the right place to put it. Uh, maybe as a, a spoiler in time segment, uh, would that go in there, Tom? Yeah, I like the idea of it in after talk, but he's right about the spoiler thing, so it fits perfectly in spoiler in time. Uh, if you guys want to suggest uh, any uh, similar ideas or hit us up with observations, uh, cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you, Sarah Lane, for joining us. Where can folks find more of what you do? Oh, well, I do this podcast with Tom Merritt. Perhaps you've heard of him. It's daily Monday through Friday. DailyTechNewsShow.com is where you can learn more about it. Um, I also am on every social network ever as Sarah Lane. So you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all those places at Sarah Lane. And thank you so much for, for having me on the show. It's always a really good time. Our website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you again next time. Hey, guys. Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh, my gosh. Because I've you got a just name. supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors. Look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your There's name in pixels on the internet. There's names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cordkillers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people, like this the one. Amazing. Oh, look at look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>